The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video, as seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd, and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. We are in for a really exciting Video Insiders, the Video Insiders uh, podcast. I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Scrap that. Scrap that intro. Scrap that. that. Start over. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, welcome, everyone, to the Video Insiders. How are you doing, Dror? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? I'm fine. Hey, Hey, you know, there's two, there's two, there's two marks on the phone. uh, (laughs) This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I knew that would happen. That's great. That's great. So see, Dory, you have to be careful when you say Mark, you need to say Mark D or Mark K. Mark K. Mark on the show. We're being being our guest today. Shortly. Yes. That's right. That's right. Why don't you, why don't you introduce Mark K? Yeah, sure. So today on uh, our podcast on the Video Insiders, we're very happy to host Mark Kogan. He's a real expert, you know, in terms of video, video encoding, video streaming. He's been there. He's done that. He's done a lot of things. He's building video streaming workflows for uh, top uh, providers of content and services in the video world. Um, and uh, I think we can uh, all uh, learn a lot from his hands-on experience in uh, video-related uh, projects. So, uh, hi, Mark. Mark K. How are you? Hi, Dror. Hi, everyone. Hi, gentlemen. Mark D. Welcome. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. So, uh, Mark, why don't you start by uh, you know, telling us a bit about uh, um, uh, your history, your career, what you did in the past, and, and in general, what you're doing today. Uh, it's first of all, thank you very much for hosting me. Uh, uh, it's been, and I will uh, speak about my short career uh, for thirty years, but uh, I will try very to summarize. Short, very short. Yes, I will try <laughs> to summarize that a little bit. So I've been starting from the analog era, analog video, where the video was a real video. Engineers look at the real video, and then. Ev- Evolize to digital, MPEG-1, MPEG-2, uh, was a vendor building coders. Uh, hardware coders, I guess? Hardware encoders, of course, chipset-based, of course. No software at the time. Uh, MPEG-2, mainly for broadcast, because uh, that there of uh, digital video was mainly for video conferencing, a very low b- bandwidth, and then broadcasting for satellite, for cable, where the bandwidth was an issue. Uh, and then uh, at the mid-2000s, uh, it's been video over IP, so H.264 came in, uh, worked a lot with H.264 real-time, uh, still not the files, but Real-time video, H.264 over IP. Live video. Live video, mainly, yes, yes, mainly. Uh, And then uh, when streaming uh, became an issue, a very important issue for video delivery, I started to be involved in a very, very uh, intensive way 
in terms of uh, transcoding offline, creating files in different formats, uh, optimizing that quality ins uh, inspections and optimizations, and of course, getting uh, higher than H.265, HEVC, and all other codecs, of course, uh, and live and uh, offline video on-demand encoding. Uh, and I'm talking about hands-on, evaluation, technology. To me, it's always um, fascinating how uh, everything comes back. Uh, it, um, things evolve and, and change, and new technology are introdu is introduced, but eventually you're always doing the same thing over and over. You want to get video from point A to point B at the highest uh, quality uh, possible, right? And, and provide the, uh, the, the best experience you can. Yes, that is correct. This is definitely correct. The, the, the agenda and the goal is basically to deliver the video with the highest quality, with the lowest bandwidth, with the lowest cost, uh, point to point, point to multipoint. And, and today it's even multi-devices. Uh, if at the time we knew that the video, for, there was separation video for PC, stre streaming for PC with a very low quality, uh, today and TV were only broadcasting for satellite, for cable. Uh, then today there is no separation. So everything, the video must be on the highest quality all the way, all the time. Uh, large screen, smaller screen, mobile devices, uh, all that. So from one point to multi-devices. Yeah, the idea is the same. Get the video from here to there and do it in the best uh, uh, way possible using uh, the technology you have available um, at, at, um, at the time. Um, so uh, first, I, I have to say in, in full disclosure that uh, we did uh, work together Um and we were fortunate enough to uh, uh, work with um, uh, Mark Hogan on some uh, video projects uh, here in Israel uh, with one of the major uh, over-the-top um, um, uh, television and uh, video providers. And that was quite, an, um, I think, an innovative um, uh, service. I think, uh, without naming the name, I think they were uh, the first to actually deliver video over-the-top in Israel as a separate you know, paid service, right? They were the first um, uh, mobile provider to, to add uh, um, TV services to their portfolio. That is correct. They're, they were the first one who really created a very high quality video over the top, over the internet, to big screens, large screens, uh, for massive users, yes. And mm -hmm. they really compete with the traditional, they're the first ones who really compete with traditional broadcasters, cable and satellite. What were some of the challenges that you've encountered uh, while building this uh, workflow and, and how did you address them? One of the challenges, well, it was an evolution. Uh, we started about five years ago, something like that, five, six years ago. The challenges were uh, mainly to choose a proper uh, uh, format for the video uh, because they started it with the uh, legacy set of boxes mm -hmm. which were IPTV set of boxes 
uh, and then uh, try to select uh, a platform that will deliver and support those amount of users. On top of that, get the content on the highest level without, uh, let's say, uh, high cost, or, or at mm -hmm. least reduced. Co uh, we try to reduce cost as much as possible for the infrastructure because mainly uh, the they are not the owner of the last mile. So right. we, we had to to build a live and VOD content to be as efficient as possible, as a higher quality as possible, but on the other hand, to save bandwidth. Mm -hmm. And uh, I understand that uh, um, you did a lot of work in uh, optimizing the ABR ladder that uh, they use for, um, uh, for delivery. That is correct. So we did it on the live and we did it on the VOD. The, the challenges are two separate things. So for VOD, there is a different techniques to do optimization. And, uh, and for live, those are different techniques to do optimization. Separate, well, the same codec, but different techniques, different structures. And, and the, let's say we did it in a different way. So for live, we created a specific uh, uh, structure for filtering and all that kind of on the fly uh, in order not to add more latency as it is because mm -hmm. we know we, we suffer this OTT structure, we suffer a lot of latency. So we would we like not to add more than uh, there more than it has to. Uh, on the other hand, for VOD, we tried to build with the same infrastructure to create a higher efficiency and optimize the content, uh, not to overload as, uh, the, the machine, the, 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 the hardware structure, as, uh, and, and, and reduce the power as, 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 as possible. So, Mark, I am. I think a lot of our listeners, uh, you know, are grappling with um, adapting their ABR ladders, and we we have all, um, you know, traditionally looked at you know the famous uh, uh, Apple, you know, TN twenty two twenty four, and you know the original HLS spec, and um, you know, I there's a shockingly high number of of services who still are encoding basically to, you know, those ABR ladder targets. Um, but I, th I think, you know, nowadays a lot of people have figured out that, you know, codecs have gotten better. They can, um, you know, they can drive the bit rates lower, you know, in some cases they might even be making some quality trade-offs, um, you know, because they want user experience, smoother streaming, uh, or reduced distribution costs, that sort of thing. Can, can you share what your methodology was? Um, and, and it is fair to separate it out for live versus VOD if, if you want to do it that way. Um, but what was your methodology as you examined these bit rates, you know, across the adaptive bit rate ladder that you used um, to determine the bit rates that you ultimately are streaming? And if you can share what those bit rates are, that I think our, our listeners would love to hear that too. Sure. First of all, the, the, the idea, the concept would think out of the box. 
not follow what Apple or uh, other uh, great vendors or great manufacturers are uh, suggested or recommend. Why do that? Because, you know, there, there's a mindset that says, hey, come on, it's Apple, you know, like, <laughs> who, am I to, who am I to go yeah. against Apple? <laughs> so, yeah. so, so why? That's true, but we're engineers. Ah, uh, yes, that's a good reason. <laughs> we always think out of the box, not as a given. And on the other on the other side, they're also engineers, so we might be uh, contradict those values. So, uh, and we try to 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 check and uh, break the limits and break the rules. So, uh, and in, in many cases, those rules were breaking. And uh, we even were very surprised what we saw on a good side. So uh, those, uh, let's say, uh, on, the, on the other hand, we broke those betrays and those uh, structures. And then we need to provide those video to multiple devices like Apple, like uh, Android, uh, smart TVs, and uh, all that kind of uh, structures, which has a different request in terms of playing the video, in terms of buffering, and I'm talking about structure of the video itself, uh, like CPB buffering uh, and all those structures which are different, or even, even chunk sizes which are different for every device. So we, on the other hand, we can do the quality, but... It will not work good on a specific device, so we haven't been reaching anything. So those were challenging. So let's say if for, just give you an example, you ask for example. So if the 1080 uh, or even less than 1080, uh, even uh, below 720p, like say, uh, we call it on the old days, extended PAL, uh, like 540p or something like that, we even use 50 frames per second, for example, for sports. Nobody did it, and I, I haven't seen nobody. somebody does it. So uh, even for PAL, uh, uh, 576 uh, uh, P, we use 50 frames per second for sports. So the picture is very smooth. Uh, and, 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 and nobody dare to do things like that, because... Uh, Always people use 25, or if you, in our case, in live, unfortunately, we're still in the interlaced world for content uh, or for sources. And this is also a challenge, which I can talk several days about this, how you convert interlaced to progressive in a very good uh, good shape. So when you convert it to, 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 to the interlaced to progressive, uh, natively, you use 25 frames per second. Oh, come on, it's uh, OTT. Nobody does more than that. Uh, well, for 1080 maybe, but but yes, we dare it also for SD, and we dare it also for uh, lower HD, and more than that. So, and so for ABR, when you jump for the lower profiles to the higher profiles, some devices, some devices, they. Uh, cannot manage those frame rate changes, especially smart TVs. So we changed everything to be the same frame rate. So and and, and that is how we solved the stability issue and the motion 
the quality of experience in sports especially. So those were our challenges and out-of-the-box thinking. And what did you, uh, did you have to look at VOD as a separate use case over live or were you able to apply the same methodology and even the same bit rates? For VOD, uh, VOD has lots of advantages for for my side and, and, and there's a lot of discounts that I can provide which cannot be provided on live. Uh, VOD can be processed in dual pass, can be processed in many filtering in, a, in, in, in much higher latency because the latency is not an issue there. So I can give a little bit more processing, a little bit more threads or cores for the machine and put specific filter would create a very smooth motion or a very uh, good quality video. Uh, and, and it will not affect uh, highly the CPU processing or hardware processing. Uh, and there are much more uh, tools on the transcoding side than on the live machine. Because on live machine, you have less uh, processing or, 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 let's say, codec configuration, high-level configuration that on the field. Yeah, your tools are more limited, of course. Yes. Again, because of late, the, the latency requirement. I am, um, uh, you know, if you could see me, if we were, <laughs> if this was a video um, podcast, I would, I, you would see I'm standing up and uh, almost cheering right now at, at at what you said because Dror and I, regular listeners of the podcast, will will we'll recall if you've listened to especially each episode that Dror and I routinely have commented that we are on a mission, not only here on the Video Insiders, but um, Beamer is a company to decouple this mindset that, um, for example, HEVC only equals 4K HDR. Um, and the fact that you commented even that as you move down resolution, that does not mean you have to compromise frame rate. Right. And and the fact that you also commented that you're giving the user a better overall experience. And there's some there's significant science. And I know, Drawer, you're you know, we could probably do a do, do a session on this where, again, I think there's too much of an obsession over resolution. Now, you know, you know, hear us out here. You know, yes, we love 4K. Yes, 8K is going to be amazing. So resolution is really amazing. But there's this obsession with resolution when in reality, um, you know, as you probably have have seen, Mark, uh, you know, 480p at, at, you know, or as you say, you know, 540p or 576 at 50 frames per second on the right device probably looks pretty dang amazing <laughs> you know right even, and, and though even, that's televisions, standard, standard even, <laughs> even on televisions they have such good uh, interpolators uh, today yes. Yes. that you can take uh, full hd at 60 frames per second yeah. and display that on a 4k screen and it will look great and sometimes it's better to uh, increase the bitrate of 1080p uh, kind of overload um, uh, that bitrate to get really high quality of 1080p that will be interpolated That's right. and to sacrifice bitrate of 4K to really the minimum bare That's possible. Right. And then you don't get such a good experience because you're spending bits on representing pixels that, you know, you and I from, from any reasonable distance cannot, cannot see. Mark, did, did you also um, uh, see this uh, phenomena that sometimes it's better 
um, to stream lower resolution and, and expand it than to uh, invest the bits in representing the full resolution? Okay, there are several limits, of course, because there are not enough bits to support this, so many pixels. So it's, it's converted to be noise. So at a certain stage, it becomes bad. So for sports, no. For maybe talking heads, for news or, or studio shot, yes, it might be good in s s s some cases. It depends on your source. If your source is very high quality, let's say if your source is 4K and you do downgrade, correctly you do the downgrade, then it might be okay. But if your source is lower than that, like HD, uh, then it's a very, very, uh, let's say, <laughs> on the limit, 3 megabits to have 1080 for large screens, 55, 65 inch, uh, 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 the, the quality will not be so good. Mm -hmm. And if you mentioned HEVC, I think this is a really good topic to discuss. And also, we love that topic here on uh, on the show for some reason. I don't know why, but sometimes... <laughs> it's a great codec. <laughs> yeah, it's a great codec. And we, we really would like it to see it being... Uh, used more, you know, because every time we mention it, you know, 2 billion devices and uh, from episode to episode, this increases and probably we already have 3 billion devices that uh, support uh, HEVC in the field and uh, and why not, you know, stream it to devices that can get it and get higher quality and, and better bandwidth utilization. So I know that you're doing um, many projects, not only in entertainment, but also in other video fields such as surveillance and, and military and government. Um, how do you see uh, the adoption of HEVC across uh, the different uh, industries? Where, where do you see it uh, um, really uh, uh, catching on? And where do you see uh, you know, people still sticking with, with legacy codecs like H.264? Okay. Uh, for, uh, for surveillance and for uh, government implementation, most of them they are going to HTML, web web. Uh, applications purely mm -hmm. web, and unfortunately, HVC is not a web player. At, uh, it's, it's not well supported in browsers yes, yet. That it's is not right. a web player at this time. Uh, this is the only limitation, only limitation, and in, uh, in, uh, instead they're using other codecs uh, which are supported natively by HTML. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, th and this is the only limitation. Uh, on the other hand, uh, when they use a, a, a customized player uh, where they can manage, uh, but definitely HVC is a very huge player. I think that HVC is, let's say, it's widely, uh, widely ex uh, known. Uh, it has better experience in terms of uh, video delivery, in terms of broadcast. Uh, more codecs support, live codecs at least, support HEVC than other codecs, at least for live. Okay, For VOD, there are others, but for live, uh, HEVC is, is, is wider expanded. So, uh, and it's supported on more devices than at least uh, for Apple. Uh, HVC supported. Uh, if you do a, co a correct uh, segmentation, uh, then uh, you are supported by HVC, not others, not uh, Google codecs and not other codecs. It's not supported there. 
So natively, I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. On Apple, it's only H.264 and HEVC. Correct. So uh, the, it's an advantage for this kind of thing. But for others, when you need a web application natively, uh, it's, it's not there yet. And, and when you see HEVC supported, is it only for 4K content or HDR content or cross the board for HD and even lower resolution? HDR is, 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 a, is, a, is a quality of it's, it's experience. It's a quality of experience. It's not, it's not a codec or, or a resolution issue. You can implement mainly, practically and theoretically, you can implement that for HD, and there have been some debate if it's good to go to 4K or use 1080 HD with the HDR. So mm-hmm. there is a... The, but 4K, HVC today, people who are implementing HVC mainly are pointing to 4K. Uh, for two reasons. Uh, H.264 is good for everyone for 1080, and uh, uh, 100% of devices support that. Uh, and they are not moving to other uh, format, other codecs. Uh, HVC is mainly was built for higher resolution. So if I imp- test HVC with 1080, uh, you can get less uh, in terms of uh, bitrate slash resolution when you get it with 4K. So uh, you get, let's say, less efficiency in HVC when you're doing HD content. That means that uh, everybody know that number, which is not exactly correct, 50% savings. No, it's not yeah. 50. I'm saying between 20 to 50. 50 is when you so get... The 50 you get for 4K. For 4K and VOD not for live, mm-hmm. when you can get a very high processing, uh, dual pass and all that. For live, you can get, uh, in HVC for 4K, you can get between 20 to 35%, sometimes 40, depends on the content, not the sport. That, that, those are uh, my measures, and we use today 4K with HVC, we implemented 12 megabits per second, which is working fine. You know, um, Mark, I, I would like to come back to this interlaced issue. Uh, we mentioned it <laughs> when we started talking about uh, the, the challenges of, of, uh, of producing high quality video at low bit rates. Maybe you can share some experiences. Um, you know, primarily we, we, we kind of talk about, um, you know, progressive formats, I guess, here on the show, but uh, it it is absolutely amazing. There is still, you know, I'm not even sure exactly what the percentage is, but 70%, if not more, of video content out there is produced in kind of the the, the broadcast ecosystem and it's interlaced. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's uh, hard to believe, you know, especially for a video engineer that kind of uh, grew up maybe more recently in the, in the modern age, but um, it's a real challenge. So maybe you can share some insights, you know, of what you've learned, uh, how, how to do the conversion from interlaced to progressive. And uh, yeah, I think that would be a very um, helpful thing to share with our listeners. Yes. Well, it's a very, very big, important and big question that we are dealing with. Um, interlace is mainly coming, and I, and I will separate two things. One is for VOD, which is still, there are files which are coming in interlace because they are from the playout 
playout room. Playout room still are using interlace content with a, for from Avid, ProRes, all those kind for all those formats, and still coming in as an interlaced because they are recording from the TV. But over there, I can process it and do a better job because I have time. On live, it's becoming an issue. Uh, I have to do the interlacing. Uh, the, the interlacing, as we all know, is a, is, a, is a very, very, very tough degradation, high degradation of the content. So whatever you got, you got, you have a half frame, you have to uh, upscale it, you have to process it, you have to uh, do a lot of things in order to get it progressive. In, in, I'm talking about in a, in a proper way. Yeah, because doing it not in a proper way, everybody's familiar with these Correct. the interlacing artifacts where you have high motion and everything becomes jaggy, and you know we had a problem here. Yeah. Correct, correct. Okay. So uh, there, uh, what I'm experiencing today is, is mainly, is uh, there are two ways to do that. Either your uh, encoder do it as a part of the encoding, uh, uh, encoding, um, uh, Module uh, as a pre-processing, we call it a pre-processing, pre-encoding uh, process. When you get your content, you say, "I would like to do the interlacing." There are uh, six, seven, ten ways to do that. Different uh, algorithms to do that, and mainly there are uh, software encoders, and, and and this is what 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 you do. Uh, from my experience, those encoders. Uh, they are not doing, uh, let's say, the best job. This is not their focus. The encoder is supposed to encode. They're not supposed to do pre-processing. Uh, and I'm telling you, uh, this is from my, my experience netto. Uh, so when you get interlaced source, Still, a lot of people, they use encoding capabilities to the interlace. But in order to get a higher level job and, 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 and to get into the higher quality level, you need to use external upscaler, downscaler, the interlacers, which are built to do that. And they are mainly hardware-based. So that means if you have an SDI source, that means that you have to have an external capability uh, to the interlace the source. So the encoder will get a, a fully prepared and fully transcoded and fully uh, to the trans, uh, tr uh, transcale it and, and ready to use a progressive source and just do encoding. This is how the workflow should work. Uh, unless, as I mentioned, you are happy what you have and you are dealing not with optimized quality. Mm -hmm. So you're saying for the best quality, you should still use a hardware deinterlacer before the input encoding. Correct. So because this is not an only, only deinterlacer, it's also a sort of an upscaler because you would like, you're not going to stay in 25 frames from 50i to 25p. You would like to stay in 50p, which is you're doing sort of a frame rate upscaling. Mm -hmm. So 
this is not just to do the interlacing. It's also do upscaling. So you do two processes. So for that, the best case today is to use hardware specified dedicated units. And I'm not talking about for all the channels, because if it's a talking heads, a family channel, or this kind of mm -hmm. thing, you still encoder is a good solution. But for sports, when you need to see the the very high motion, high color resolutions, high color depth, quality, and 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 then the, the, the movement motion is very important there. There, you need to use those still. So I have a I have a question, uh, and you said something earlier. Um, you referenced PAL, and of course, here in in North America, uh, we have NTSC. You know, it's traditionally fifty frames or sixty frames or twenty five and thirty. Uh, I think most 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 people know that, but. In reality, with modern video, and especially, you know, let's talk about really any device, but let's just talk about connected TV. The TV does not care. It doesn't matter. 50 frames, 60 frames, 30 frames, 25 frames. You know, now there can be some challenges, of course, in an ABR stack if, if you have a different profile and it's a different frame rate. But, you know, let's set that aside. My question to you is, is we saw going back to the World Cup, um, we were privileged to, um, you know, to uh, work with a, a very important partner and um, and demonstrate our technology using World Cup streams. And and Dror, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what they were doing or somebody was doing was a a 50 frame to 60 frame conversion of World Cup um, live coverage. Is isn't that correct? Right, because it and was, it looked uh, horrible. It, it, yeah, it, 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 it was, was coming from Europe, from Russia, and that was uh, six, uh, fifty. It was converting fifty into exactly. US for sixty. And yeah, my question though is this: you know, and here, here's where I'm scratching my head. And Mark, maybe you can shed some light on this. I, I mean, is this all because there's still enough legacy cable set-top boxes out there that can't handle fifty frames? There, but that they're doing that. Why are they doing that? That's my question. This is going to be delivered OTT. It's going to be streamed. Why convert it? When converted to sixty or fifty, it's a very great question. Strictly. The, the answer is not technical. It's a just a, a policy, a decision. A, 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 I don't know. It's a, it's a checkbox in a workflow process that says we have to convert because this is this signal is going to North America, and North America is sixty frames. I mean, that's basically what you're saying. That's basically the policies of the local, uh, let's say I don't know decisions. It's not a technical decision. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I had a question and it's a perfect time to ask it. Um, we were, we were talking about this uh, large project that you did in Israel and uh, we touched on the fact that it seems like you're developing, I mean, you were, you're distributing or they are distributing your client content to multiple devices. So uh, is it correct? Uh, apps on a phone, set top boxes like Roku and the TV um, is my understanding correct? Yes, multi-screen. Yes, yes. Okay, 
Okay, great. So my question is this, um, because I, and many of our listeners are in the same situation where um, they're they're encoding, they're delivering video uh, to multiple targets. You know, um, so my question, you know, Mark, is for this client anyway, or you can answer more broadly. You know, you're working with a number of uh, of companies. Do they give any priority? For example, do they say, okay, we really want to optimize on the big screen? Um, and if we have to compromise, of course, no one wants to compromise, but if we have to compromise, we're not going to compromise on the big screen, we'll compromise on the mobile device. Or how do they think about this? You know, is that, are those discussions being had and what is the priorities? Okay. First of all, uh, the priorities is usually a strategic priority. So if uh, the company decides and come and, 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 and publish that they are supporting Android TV on that de- on specific device and Apple TV and, uh, for example, LG TV or Samsung TV or whatever, so they need to support it completely and there are no discounts for anyone. So they must be uh, displayed the best as possible. Now, if they say Android TV is, uh, let's say, Xiaomi or or, uh, other devices, uh, uh, then uh, they must commit it to it. But if you buy Android TV from devices which are not... mentioned by the content pro- or the, the service provider then if it's something wrong there then it will not take uh, and, and, and in priority and fix that Understand. try to optimize that so officially supported devices they get the high priority and anything not on the list that that's low priority right for example if you come with uh, Android TV because Android TV you have it on the smaller box Xiaomi or other devices but there is also Android TV on Sony on Philips on on, on, on those uh, those TVs so if they are not in the list that means that you are you it will work but if something happened they are not committed to it yeah, got it, got it. And that's, of course, what makes Roku, just as an example, so attractive is is that you can hit, you know, now that Roku is embedded in TCL TVs and, you know, so many TVs, obviously they have their, their range of set-top boxes. You can kind of send it to one platform, but it hits a, a growing number of actual, you know, form factors or endpoints, if you will. I would... I- I would also recommend for, uh, let's say, for uh, those devices who are using native operational systems, native players on those operational systems, unless it's a a very challenging, so every time they upgrade, let's say on LG or Samsung, it's WebOS or Tizen, they use native players, they also do some modification inside, and it sometimes affects the performances. So the best case, if you go and you implement OTT service and you would like to stay in a very high level quality of service and quality of experience, implement your own player. That way you can manage end-to-end performance because when you do native, you are rely on the manufacturer upgrades, manufacturer support, which is usually 95%. You're not getting one. 
So, so then software upgrades to the OS that change the native player can, can break your service, basically, your app can stop working. Can affect your service. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a somewhat related issue that is um, really hot right now. Um, the French Open was, uh, was a, you know, again, sports is a great showcase for like HDR and 4K. And it seems like, you know, that's where people really care. And it's also where broadcasters are, are spending the money to, you know, to deliver this, this really high quality video. And um, the French Open, there was just a lot of problems in France of TVs that were not able to display properly the HDR. Uh, and, you know, it, it was all the classic problems. You know, the colors were shifted, things were washed out. It just, it, I mean, it was really wrong. It's not that it just looked off. It was, you know, really looked bad. And so there's a lot of internal discussion and, you know, uh, what, what happened because, I mean, France is a developed country and, you know, there's, there's sufficient penetration of HDR televisions, uh, you know, of UHD televisions. And one of the things that's being explored is, you know, whether it's, it's an issue of there are TVs in homes that just haven't been software, they haven't been updated. They just don't have the latest software and therefore they're not able to understand the, um, you know, the correct signaling or, or whatever, you know, the fact is they can't display. This is a real challenge, you know, and when you are, of course, I guess you could argue and say, well, if that TV wasn't updated, maybe it was not connected to the internet. And, you know, therefore if you had your own proprietary player, the situation wouldn't be better. Um, but, I, I suppose there's an element of this that you do want to control your own destiny and you at least want the chance to be able to communicate to that, you know, to your player and to your environment and be able to make changes. Uh, yes, this is this is a great challenge for, for HDR and there are several versions for HDR. And unfortunately, HDR10 and Dolby Vision is still not popular uh, because of the proprietary and, and not, Every device support that, and they are not backward compatible to SDR. So uh, still TVs, there are still TVs 4K which are not HDR. So the the, the 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 most challenge in HDR today is that the local broadcasters who receive the signal and, and they must uh, convert it to HLG, which is the most used for distribution because HLG is a less, uh, let's say, it has lower. Uh, dynamic range than the HDR10 and and the, the, the Dolby Vision, but it's still backward compatible. So Backwards, that's yeah, right. So TVs with SDR can watch uh, HLG. So, but the, 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 the main problem, the main problem for HLG is when you get the signal HLG from, you mentioned the French Open and all the others, is the local broadcasters, they are not, they have no idea many of them how to treat and reprocess the pro- the signal to distribute the signal as is into HLG because there the HLG it's not just the uh, <clears throat> uh, metadata that is coming and, uh, and you just need to provide it to a TV it's just a matter of spectrum that you need to process it correctly and trans- transparently send it to further re-encode it and send it. 
So it's part of the encoder as well. So and and, and many of the bro- uh, local broadcasters and the content providers they have no idea how to treat that content. That's why you get a very very bad color, shifted color, and even if you convert it to SDR, you have problems. So That's it's right of- that conversion. Yeah. yeah, we talked about interlace conversion. Even a more difficult is HDR to SDR. Uh, that is. Okay, great. Mark, you know, this has been an awesome conversation, you know, covering so many topics of video. And uh, I'd really like to, uh, to thank you for coming here on the Video Insiders and uh, sharing your experience. Yes, thank you, Mark. My pleasure, gentlemen, anytime. And thank you to all our listeners. We greatly appreciate you all. And uh, if you would like to come on the show, all you have to do is send us an email. Just email the Video Insiders at Beamer, that's B-E-A-M-R dot com. Oh, Mark, we almost forgot. I heard today that now there is an, a new channel, a new community, a new platform. There is. Discussing all of the topics that, that we're talking about here on the Video Insiders. And uh, where is that, Mark? Let everybody yes. know. Yeah, so it's on LinkedIn. And all you need to do is just search, just, just go into the search bar, type the video insiders and uh it's pretty easy to find you'll see our logo there i don't think anything else really comes up but if something else comes up um it won't be hard to find you'll see our logo uh just send a request to join the group and we're going to be updating of course posting all of our new uh shows um we will be using this also just for sort of you know general industry news um it is not a is not a selling group this is for experts in the industry to come together have a place to you know talk meet mingle share best practices uh so we really welcome you and are really excited about this um this group and think that it's going to serve uh, really serve the industry uh, as it feels like there's sort of a gap. There's there's not too many you know water coolers for us to gather around, and this is a virtual water cooler. So yeah, we'd welcome you all. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders Podcast, a production of Beamer Limited. To begin using Beamer's Codex today, go to beamer.com forward slash free to receive up to 100 hours of no-cost HEVC and H264 transcoding every month.